Good morning and welcome to worship here at First Baptist Church. You'll see me in a different place today. Unfortunately, Joe Carnes, our liturgist for the day, is under the weather. And so as he gets better, I've taken over his lectern, uh, which is also a sign that today is a different day for several reasons. The first is that it is uh, part of the, uh, the Baptist Women in Ministry Month of Preaching, formerly known as Martha Stearns Marshall Sunday. And so uh, today we have uh, a special preacher, uh, our new associate pastor of children and youth and families, Christina Adams, will be preaching for us today. Uh, and so she'll be on that side and I'll be on this side and uh, we'll get to hear a good word uh, from the gospel for her, from her today. It's also a special Sunday because it is Transfiguration Sunday, uh, a day in which we uh, remember the moment in which Jesus uh, took some of his disciples up to the top of the mountain and brought uh, a powerful experience to their eyes and to their ears. And so we celebrate that Sunday here on this final Sunday before Lent begins on Wednesday. And then it is also a special Sunday in the uh, eyes of the world because it is Valentine's Day, and it's a day that we celebrate love. And so perhaps most importantly during this hour, we celebrate indeed the love that is Christ, the one who came to show us what love is all about, the one who came to, to remind us about God's love that is eternal, the one who loved enough to die on the cross. And so out of that love today... We light a Christ candle. Perhaps you will light one at home as a similar symbol, recognizing both the light and the love that is present here today. Welcome to worship. call to worship. The glory of God shines like a consuming fire. We have seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The voice of God thunders like a mighty storm. Out of the cloud God speaks, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Oh, yeah. 
blessing that he brings. Hear the blessing that he brings. Jesus, Lord, we see your splendor here and now, my daily faith in our service. be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Take now a moment and share the peace of Christ with those in your own household or perhaps uh, on the chat or as a, a text or a, even a quick phone call to offer a word of peace to those in your life.
Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. O oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your salvation to the upright of heart. Well, this is the time for all of the children to have a special moment in the service. And so uh, while you're at home, come a little bit closer to the TV and uh, screen and, and listen in, because I've got a story to tell you. Now, usually this time of year, we celebrate something called Martha Stern's Marshall Sunday. Uh, and often during the children's sermon, you hear a little bit about who Martha was, a famous Baptist preacher. Uh, and uh, over the years, you've probably heard that story several times, and you may be starting to wonder, well, I wonder if he knows any other famous Baptist women preacher besides Martha. Well, I do. There are a bunch of them out there, and so today I want to tell you about one of them, give you a little bit of her story. This is Ella Pearson Mitchell, and she was born in uh, the town of Charleston, South Carolina, a lot warmer than it is here today. Uh, and there in Charleston, South Carolina, she was the daughter of a preacher. And so that preacher, her father, would go ride his bike around to all of the different uh, people who lived and uh, worshipped in their church. And he would do visits to them. And he would talk to them about who Jesus was. Now, Ella got to go with him, got to kind of ride with him on that bike, uh, and then got to see him do all that ministry and talk to all of these different people about Jesus. And so she heard that even when she was eight years old. She heard about who Jesus was and heard her father talking about how important to Jesus was. And so when she got a little bit older, she decided that she could also start to talk about Jesus. And so uh, her father would go off and uh, uh, he would preach in different pulpits and different places. Uh, and so Ella had a chance to preach in her own home church. Uh, some of you have seen our youth preach sometimes or our children lead sometimes in the, uh, the children's Sabbath. Well, that's what she did. She preached the whole sermon. Uh, and so Ella was an amazing preacher from a very young age and began to learn from her father and uh, uh, began to talk about who Jesus was. And then she got a little bit older and married a man named Henry, and the two of them were kind of a preaching power couple. They would go around and they would uh, preach in different pulpits and they would preach all over the world. Uh, they were both very famous preachers, and so they got invited not only to preach in the United States, uh, but all over places uh, in different parts of the world. And they started writing books, and they started to tell other people how to preach. She became a teacher of preachers. Maybe you remember a couple of years ago, I went to go uh, learn a little bit more about how to be a good preacher. That's the kind of thing that Ella did. She was a, a professor, a teacher, that taught people how to be good preachers. And so Ella was a Baptist, and she was a woman, and she was a preacher, and she absolutely rocked it as soon as she stepped into the pulpit. Everybody was so excited to hear her preach. Well, we're excited today uh, to hear Christina, uh, our new associate pastor, preach as well. She's going to rock it from the pulpit too. So I hope that you pay attention and you listen to some of the words that she says as, uh, as she gives us a good word about what Jesus is all about. Let's pray. God, we thank you for women like Ella and Martha and Christina, those who preach your gospel because they have read your Bible and they know how important it is to speak about you and your love. God, on this Valentine's Day, we remember that you love us so much and so dearly. Remind us what it means to listen for your voice today. In your name we pray. Amen.
to a time of prayer, and so if there are specific prayer requests, um, joys, concerns that you would have, perhaps you would add those on the chat today. Um, a couple that have been on the hearts and minds of folks in our congregation, we continue to pray uh, for Chad Johnston's father. As you know, uh, watching the prayer list, he has uh, been suffering now, this is day 30, uh, from the effects of COVID, and as they are uh, nursing him back to health, he can, remains uh, in uh, critical care, and so as uh, he's seen signs of improvement, we of course are uh, thankful with the family, but we pray for him and continue to do so in these days. Also, we pray with uh, Jason Watson. His grandmother is in her last days, and so he has asked uh, for prayers for her and also for his family, and so we pray for Jason uh, as he says goodbye. Others that you might add uh, to your um, um, own uh, words of prayer today as we come into this space, this holy space in which Christ is present and listening. We um, go into this, this moment and this time of prayer uh, through the work of confession. Uh, we speak some words together and then some silence. We speak words alone to Christ. And so as we enter into this time of confession, prepare now your hearts as we pray. God of all glory, beauty, and grace, we have tried to hide from you, to hide our faces, to hide our sin, yet you never have never hidden your love for us. We have tried to search for you in temples, in clouds, on mountaintops, yet you have already revealed yourself to us in the face of Jesus Christ. Forgive us, and transform us so that our lives may shine with your glory, beauty, and grace. Take now a moment of silence.
Our God comes and does not keep silence. God speaks to us with grace and love, saying, You are my beloved child. This is the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. In that promise, let us pray. Lord, we know that you are bigger than we can handle. You are more love than we know what to do with, more power than we can imagine, more wisdom than we can comprehend. (laughs) Our attempts at worship must seem to you like Peter's foolish words, attempting to contain you and your prophets in tents. Holding you in our pockets is a way to retain and contain fumbling for words of worship, and perhaps silence would be wiser. God, through our fumbling and stumbling, hear our honest intention. We are amazed. We are in love. We are thankful. May our words and our songs and our hearts be heard in this moment of worship as we lift them to you. Lord, we know that you are brighter than we can handle. Your Christ was transfigured on that mountain, changed and transformed in ways that we cannot fully understand. And yet, it came in the changing and transforming that marked on earth the very presence of Emmanuel, God with us. And it is alike to the changing and transforming that you still enact on earth today. God, may we be transfigured as your children and as your church, changed into something brighter and more beautiful than even what you have made us to be in the past. Let us leave behind our drab assumptions and ideas and preconceptions and explode with light and life and love and beauty and power. Lord, we know that your healing is something sometimes more than we can handle. Just like your disciples who didn't know what to do with the boy writhing at their feet, we wonder if and how we can participate in your healing on this earth. We see the pain. So many of us personally know those who suffer from oppressive regimes in Myanmar, in Haiti, in Nicaragua, And even in these United States, those who feel the possessive power of evil throwing them into the fires of poverty and sexism and racism, Lord, you who healed that boy with a flick of your wrist, teach us today how to heal. Show us how to dismantle systems that destroy. Empower us to listen to those whose hearts and bodies are broken. Inspire us again to be astounded by your greatness. Lord, your prophets taught us from the pulpit how to see and worship that greatness. Martha Stearns Marshall, Ella Pearson Mitchell, Hannah, Mary, the Zarephath widow, lives of trust and hope and faith and love and fierce vulnerability. And Lord, your son, taught us from the quiet villages and the halls of power, from the lonely hills to the majestic mountains, what it meant to live out that greatness. Let us follow in his way and pray together his words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So as I think about my faith journey, The one word that really stands out to me is kids. Um, Grown up in the church my whole life. um, The one thing I remember about my childhood experience was our children's pastor 
was pretty much dedicated to the kids. We had a major kids program um, for the kids. I mean, we had Sunday school where we all, you know, were involved and stuff. And then on Sunday nights, we had big Bible bowl, um, you know, we competitions and learning scriptures and memorizing and getting trophies. And I've got tons of trophies and stuff downstairs that, you know, I earned. And that was big memorization. And then middle school, I was involved with the youth group, but we were going through some youth minister changes. And so didn't really, I mean, we had a group of girls that I really hung out with growing up. But then we kind of got to middle school and we all kind of started separating. I pretty much just moved to working in the nursery since I was about 14. I was the twos and threes Sunday school teacher. I did that pretty much till I moved. Um, so pretty much hanging out with the nursery gals was pretty much what I did since from about middle school through high school. Jim interviewed last week and um, he and I dated through high school freshman High school sweethearts. I stayed in Tulsa and he came up here to KU and so we were going through a long distance relationship so that was kind of really um, pretty much tested our situation our relationship and you know our spiritual uh, growth and um, pretty much determined yes you know we needed to be together and uh, so I graduated in 2002 moved up here and we got married that summer. And um, like I said, I'd grown up in church my whole life, very dedicated to going to church, you know, three days a week, being in the nursery. I mean, you were there all the time. And uh, so that was just what I did. <laughs> and uh, so he pretty much was like, we're going to church. Like, <laughs> you know, that's what we do. And uh, so, yeah, we wound up, we, visited a few churches, but like I said, I was working at Johnny Appleseed there at the church, and one Sunday I walked into the sanctuary and discovered that there was an organ, which didn't really think about having at a Baptist church, and um, so we visited and haven't left, <laughs> and uh, still working with the kids, <laughs> so that's pretty much been my um, spiritual growth you know, anything, pretty much anything related to kids. And I would say that my faith um, is a childlike faith. I mean, I've grown, I've done Bible studies, I've, you know, um, but I think one of the, it's not necessarily my favorite scripture verse, but it's one that I like is, um, you know, Jesus calling the kids, you know, to come see me. And then, um, the one about, you know, the mustard seed, you know, a little faith like a mustard seed, you know, is about the size of a kid, you know, it's, um, you know, that's kind of where I came from. And that's kind of where I am it is um, faith to me is believing in something that you know, is not necessarily, you know, you can't see it, but it's still there. And times that I enjoy is spending is sharing that with the little guys may not understand, you know, the stories at the time, but they're at least hearing about Jesus. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. Okay, that's a joke. I did see you there. Um, but this week is a little unusual. I get to worship with you using music, but no words most weeks. But this week, I have the privilege of sharing with you using both. Um, in a few minutes, the special music is going to be a song by Rich Mullins that is really dear to me because of the lyrics. And the lyrics talk about how Jesus taught us what love is and that he loves us all the way to kingdom come. And the Gospel of Matthew talks about um, how out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
And this idea of Jesus loving me to the ends of the earth on my hardest days fills me to brimming. And out of that overflow, we have the privilege and the calling and the compelling to help bring about God's kingdom in this world to those around us by bringing love to them as well. There are so many ways that we can do this in our daily lives, and I think there's a lot of value in reflecting on that. And one of the other ways that we can help bring about that kingdom is by pooling our resources through the church and to work together to bring about something greater than we can as individuals. So now is the time during the service when I play pretty music and you get to look at the QR code and consider the ways in which you may use your resources to help bring about God's kingdom on this earth.
we are grateful for the ways that you continue to fill our hearts and to bless us. We offer to you our lives and our resources, and we pray that you will show us how to use them in service to you. Amen. Now hear the gospel reading for today, coming from Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 45. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became a dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days no one told anyone of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met them. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. While everyone was amazed at all that he was doing, he said to his disciples, Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into human hands. But they did not understand the saying. Its meaning was concealed from them so that they could not perceive it, and they were afraid to ask him about the saying. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. was till he came and he gave love a face and he gave love a name and he gave love away like the sky give the rain and sun we were looking for heroes he came looking for the lost we were searching for glory and he showed us a cross now we know what love is because he loves us all the way to kingdom come all the way to kingdom come love is a miracle it's a miracle if you can find it and miracles are hard to come by these days these days but the sweet lord jesus is a miracle man he's got holes in his feet in his sides in his hands if you ask for love love pours through them like a ray of light like a raging blaze we didn't know what love was till he came and he gave love a face and he gave love a name and he gave love away like the sky gives the rain and sun we were looking for heroes he came looking for the lost we were searching for glory and he showed us a cross now we know what love is cause he loves 
world is so fragile and we're so frail, so frail. But the sweet Lord Jesus, whose mysterious heart keeps the lifeblood pumping at the center of it all. If he let go of us, we'd all fall apart. But he holds on tight, his love don't fail. We didn't know what love was. We didn't know what love was till he came. And he gave love a face and he gave love a name. Thank you, Christy, for sharing that music with us. So last Sunday, we left Jesus and his disciples after two healing stories. People were amazed at Jesus's power. Luke says that fear seized them when he, they saw those healings, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has looked favorably on his people. Words of Jesus's greatness and power spread across the land. Today, we skip ahead to chapter 9 and meet Jesus and three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, on a mountain, where they had gone to pray. Jesus did this quite regularly. He knew he needed time alone to spend with his Father and listen. But this prayer time became an experience like no other. For when Jesus was praying, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking to Jesus. Now, whether the disciples were asleep when this first occurred or whether they were just very sleepy, it's a little unclear. But when Peter finally wipes the sleep from his eyes and realizes what is before him, he feels called to act. So he offers to build three dwellings or tents for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah to stay in. Oftentimes, we give Peter a hard time for this and read Peter as a blundering fisherman who speaks without thinking which he does a lot, honestly. But I think more might be going on here. Just as Peter had previously declared earlier in chapter 9 that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah, Peter now sees that something divine is happening, and Peter wants to honor this. So Peter offers to build a dwelling, a tent. This same word is used in scripture for the tabernacle, which is more than just an ordinary tent. To understand a tabernacle, we have to go back and remember the story of the Exodus, of Moses and the Israelites and their journey in the wilderness. Now, this was a very well-known story to Peter because the Jews reenact this story every year during the Festival of Booths. He knows the story in Exodus when Moses goes up to a mountain and meets with God, and Moses' face literally shines from the presence of God, and all around him are afraid and they know that God has been present with him. When Moses comes back down from the mountain, Moses told the Israelites that God was commanding them to build a tabernacle, a portable sanctuary so God could dwell among them during their journey. This tent was very elaborate, and there were specific instructions from the dimensions to the materials to how the tent was to be made. Once it finally was complete, scripture says that a cloud covered the tent and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And not even Moses could enter the tabernacle, this mighty man, because God's presence was too powerful and glorious for even Moses to withstand. 
This cloud then became a guide for the Israelites during their time in the wilderness. When the cloud filled the tabernacle, they stayed. When it lifted, they kept on with their journey. When it came down, they stayed, sometimes for days or months at a time. But this cloud was the presence of God among them, guiding them on their journey. During this wilderness experience, God did not leave them alone. God was still present among God's people and dwelled with them, guiding them every step of the way. As a rabbi described, the festival of the festival of booths is observed by living in temporary shelters for seven days as a reminder that when their ancestors were in the wilderness, God provided them with booths to dwell in. So when Peter sees Jesus's face glowing and radiant, like the story of Moses, and then he sees Moses and Elijah, it makes sense that Peter's first impulse is to build some tents. Peter recognizes that something divine is happening, and he does not want this to end. So not fully understanding the implications of what he is saying, Peter wants to build some tents to keep this divine presence among them. But as Peter is saying this, a cloud overshadows them, and then they actually enter into this cloud. In the Exodus story, to compare, when the cloud entered the tabernacle, no one could enter. God's glory and power was too much for the humans to withstand. But now, Peter, James, and John are in the cloud with Jesus. They are directly in the presence of God in this cloud, but actually they have been in the presence of God for some time as they have been following Jesus around. They just don't always realize that. So once immersed in this cloud, God speaks. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. This echoes Jesus' baptism when God says to Jesus, You are my son, my beloved. With you I am well pleased. But in this moment, God is addressing the disciples. God declares Jesus' divinity and affirms Peter's declaration that Jesus is in fact the Messiah. And then God adds a command, Listen to him. Then as quickly as the cloud appeared, it was gone. The experience was over. There was no need to build tents. Elijah and Moses had vanished. The mountaintop experience was over, and it seems that the disciples did not know what to make of it, so they stayed silent. But they did have some things to take with them, an affirming experience of Jesus' divinity and a command given by God. Listen to Jesus. But the next things Jesus says aren't necessarily the things you want to hear. First, Jesus comments on the faithless and perverse state of the generation, and then he predicts betrayal. Not what you want to hear right after being told to listen to this man. And the disciples don't know what to do with Jesus talking about his betrayal. This seems a little odd, but perhaps it is actually very fitting. After mountaintop experiences, after spiritual highs, we all have to re-enter reality. And we know that reality is not always pretty. It is gritty, it is dirty, it is broken. I appreciated how one commentator described this scene as especially fitting this year. After a moment of hope, when God's glory shone around, Jesus and the disciples emerged back into a health crisis. Another boy ill, another parent pleading for Jesus to heal his son, and the disciples not able to do anything. This is something I think we can relate to right now. We have moments of hope, moments of joy, news of the vaccine. We finally figure out a way to see loved ones or friends after months alone. But then we still find ourselves in the midst of this pandemic and it feels like nothing has changed. Another person we love has tested positive. Another day of masks and social distancing. We feel helpless, or at least I do. The good news is that this is not the final word. Jesus knew humanity was weak and limited, yet Jesus chose to come and dwell among us, to be a living tabernacle in our midst. So while we feel helpless, we can be comforted by the fact that we are not alone. God is in our midst. The Holy Spirit is present with us to give us what we need to keep going. So while we may falter, Jesus is faithful. The disciples could not heal the boy, but Jesus did, 
And once again, everyone was amazed. The glory of God, the power of Jesus was evident to all. But Jesus had another hard word to give. He says, let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed by human hands. Let these words sink into your ears. Now God just told the disciples to listen to Jesus, and now Jesus is using this saying to say, really listen to me, let these things soak in, pay attention, hold them close to your heart. I am going to be betrayed. And while Jesus wants them to listen, they do not understand. Actually, it says they cannot understand, and they were scared and embarrassed to ask more about what Jesus meant in saying this. These words have been echoing through my mind this week. Listen to him. Let these words sink into your ears. As I was thinking about listening, I thought about the times when I really felt listened to, when I felt heard and seen by someone, and times when I did not. The time came to mind when I was having a bad day and I called a friend and I said, hey, just calling to talk. I really need to talk. Then my friend started telling me all about her day, very excited about what had happened. I listened for a little bit and I said, hey, I need to talk. But it didn't sink into her ears. So she kept telling me about her day. And finally I started crying and she stopped. I said, hey, I really need to talk. And finally, the words sunk into her ears. She realized, oh, Christina's been telling me three times that she needs to talk, and I was just so excited to tell her about my day that I didn't listen. And so finally, I was able to tell her about my day, to cry with her, and for her to listen. And as I was thinking about this experience, a question suddenly hit me. How often does God experience this with me? How often does God reach out to talk to me and I just keep on with my day? This question shook me because I consider myself to be a good listener. It's one of my favorite attributes about myself, perhaps. When my friends talk about if they had to list five things about me, a listener would probably be in that list. But this week I realized that I am often guilty of not listening to God's nudgings in my spirits, to be quiet and to listen to what God has to say. Instead, I ignore God, pull out my phone, play another game, turn on one more episode of Netflix, or keep background noise going so I do not have the space to listen to what God has to say. Jesus asked his disciples to listen to him to let his words about his betrayal sink into their ears, to touch their hearts. But the disciples did not know what to do with these words at the time. We have an advantage because we know what Jesus was talking about. We know the journey he was about to go on. And in our church year, we are about to embark on that journey again. On Wednesday, we will remember that we are made of dust and to dust we shall return that we are fragile beings in need of a savior. Then we will journey with Jesus, remembering his last days during the Lenten season. Now, when I was younger, I thought that Lent was just something that the Catholics and Lutherans did, because that's what I saw in my town. I saw my teacher give up Dr. Co Diet, Diet Coke and start drinking, drinking Diet Dr. Pepper. And I was like, wow, that really is a sacrifice. And that's what I saw. But in college, I started thinking about maybe there was something to observing Lent. And so I tried giving up and doing some different things. One year, I gave up the amazing cookies in the dining hall, the best thing the cafeteria made. And while I gave it up, I didn't quite know what to do else with that. I've also given up Facebook, social media. One year I gave up sleeping in to try to figure out what my body clock actually needed and figure out when I should go to bed at night if I committed to getting up the same time every day. Last year I journaled every day. Lent is an opportunity to reflect and examine ourselves. It's not just for the Catholics and Lutherans. Baptists can get a lot out of it too. Lent reminds us that we are lacking and we need God to flourish and live abundantly. So this Lent, I am inviting you to engage in holy listening with me. 
Holy listening is more than just hearing what someone has to say. It is believing that God is present. Uh, let's wait on the QR code for a moment. Thanks. Spoiler alert, something's coming. But first, holy listening is believing that God is present and is speaking in the midst of everyday life. Holy listening is training our ears to be attuned to what the Holy Spirit says. It means that we believe that we are all made in the image of God, and so we can learn about God from one another. The transfiguration story is filled with good news. God is present among us. God no longer stays in the tabernacle, but is in our midst. God is calling us to listen, to journey with us this Lenten season, and discover how God is active in speaking to us today. Practicing listening takes many forms. It's a little bit of a weird thing to think about at first. But listening takes practice, just like most things in life. So I have created a worksheet. Now please put up the QR code. Um, and Jenny's also going to stick a link in the chat for you to have access to this worksheet that I made to help us start thinking about practices for holy listening. These are just suggestions for how to make space to listen for God in your daily life, like keeping the radio off in the car or not having the TV on when you eat dinner. There are spiritual practices suggested with links to um, more about Lectio Divina, or praying the daily examine, and some different Lenten Bible um, readings that you could do. And then I ask if maybe you want to think about what the voices you are listening to, and do they reflect the diverse God that is bigger than we can imagine. I also have suggestions for families of things that they can do together. I created this list with people of all ages in mind. Um, so there's something for everyone. You can create a music pray list for music that helps you pray, that helps you center into God. This could be secular or spiritual, whatever um, speaks to your heart and gets you in this mood. So this is just a starting point. I'd love to hear what you do. Take what is helpful, leave what is not. Um, I'm excited to also, I'll be working on holy listening this Lent. I would love to hear what you guys choose to do, and I hope that this is something that is helpful and beneficial to you, because God is calling us to listen. God is calling us to listen to Jesus. We have lots of congregational opportunities to do this throughout Lent. There's um, Lunch and Learn. There's the Reshaping Church Initiative. And so on the website, there's now a Lent 2021 tab that has the link to the worksheet that I made, and it also lists the other opportunities for engaging in listening and engaging in con congregational work of the church. Let's pray. Dazzling God, thank you for coming into our midst through Jesus Christ and for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Open our ears, hearts, and eyes to listen to you, Lord Jesus. Guide us as we take this journey to Jerusalem. Show us that you are still speaking and active in the world today. Amen. Both clear and 
and shadows, splendor bays the flesh joined word. Moses and Elijah marvel as the heavenly voice is heard. Eyes and hearts behold with wonder how the law and prophets meet. Christ with garments drenched in brightness stands transfigured and complete. Strengthened by this glimpse of glory, fearful lest our faith decline, we like Peter find it tempting to remain and build a shrine. But true worship gives us courage to our daily lives may prove us people of the God we bless. Thank you, Mark and Christy. Thank you, Christina, for this timely and powerful reminder to listen as we begin our Lenten season together. Um, thank you for being a part of this service as we uh, prepare now our hearts for the season that awaits. Well, you'll find uh, uh, different ways to uh, uh, participate in that season, as Christina has been saying. Uh, the Reshape uh, uh, small groups begin not tonight, but the next Sunday night, uh, an opportunity for us to listen to each other. And of course, listen to God's speaking congregationally as we work uh, in that process of asking what God might have us to be. Uh, again, not this week, but the following week, we begin our Lunch and Learn, uh, Tuesday at noon, an opportunity to, uh, uh, to, to just kind of get together and talk about the Bible. What passages are uh, exciting you right now? What passages are haunting you right now? What passages are challenging you in these days? Um, this week. We begin Lent on Ash Wednesday together. Now, when we uh, planned a car church event several uh, days ago, really a couple weeks ago, the extended forecast said it was going to be 45 degrees at noon. Now we see that the wind chill is going to be closer to 4.5 degrees. And uh, thinking about the participants, thinking about the uh, worship leaders, the green team reminded us about the, uh, uh, the amount of uh, uh, CO2 we're going to put uh, as we uh, idle our cars for an hour together. And so we've decided to, uh, to shift our plans. Instead of doing car church for Ash Wednesday at noon this week, we'll have a live stream, uh, similar to how we're uh, having church right now. Uh, it'll be a little bit different uh, way to do Ash Wednesday, of course. Uh, and it'll be a little bit different than Sunday mornings. It'll be uh, perhaps a little more intimate. Uh, but still an opportunity for you to uh, share with us live uh, at noon uh, on Wednesday, or you could watch it later uh, if you're perhaps in the middle of work or doing something at that time. It'll be a, an opportunity to kind of uh, enter into uh, this moment, enter into this season together as we remember uh, from the heights of the transfiguration the power and the importance of listening. Christina now gives us our benediction. To listen to the voice of Jesus, to remember that God is indeed with us, to encounter God's grace and love so that it radiates for all to see. Go in peace. Amen. <laughs>